welcome back to Sprinkles of SEL with U2L, a podcast on social and emotional learning, wellness, neuroscience, and healthy habits for educators or anyone in the education space. I'm Lauren. And I'm Namratha. And we are part of the SEL team here at United to Learn. Today's sprinkle of SEL is on habit stacking. (laughs) Fun. All right, question for you. Did you know that 40% of our behavior is driven by habits? Wow. That's actually that's actually a little bit more than maybe I thought it was going to be. Yeah, that's a fair amount. Significant um, amount. Yeah. And in, in my perspective, a fair amount that you can kind of harness predictably mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you can establish your own habits, as we'll find out in a moment. But let's talk about what is a habit. A habit is a small individual act that you do on the regular so often that it becomes automatic. Habit formation is based on behavioral theory and influenced from research on classical and operant conditioning and has more recently been analyzed within goal-based decision-making research. Mm, So educators think about goals and habits. This plays a big role in your classroom for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes we tend to look at habit formation in a bit of a punitive light. At least I do at times where um, I'm sometimes focusing on what I'm not doing right um, and what I haven't progressed in versus the progress I've already made towards that habit. So before we think through um, what does starting a new habit look like, let's just consider all of the habits that we're already doing pretty successfully. Okay, so, such as? Yeah, so this includes brushing our teeth, right? Hopefully combing our hair in the uh-huh. morning, <laughs> um, making that morning cup of coffee, remembering to lock the door on your way out of the house, right? These are all of the things that at some point in time, um, that was something we had to consciously consciously learn how to do. Right. And now they've, they're habits that we have just formed. It's part of our routine. You don't even have to think twice about doing it. Right. They're established. They're, they're sound and they're essentially almost guaranteed to happen. It's a part of your daily and or weekly. Mm-hmm. It's a part of our routine. It's, it's something we don't have to think about consciously. And that by definition is a habit, right? It's something that we... Um, are not putting so much thought into because we're just used to doing it. Um, I think one of the other things with habits, especially that we're trying to build, we also, though, uh, get frustrated for the other reason, which is the time it takes to build habits. And I know it takes a lot of time. And I think um, I've heard different variations of like, oh, it takes 21 days to build a habit. And, you know, I think we've heard our own variations of what that length of time looks like. But according to some research, it actually takes over two months on average, for a habit to truly be considered a part of your routine. It takes over like eight weeks in that sense to say, I've done something consistently enough that I have no thought that needs to be put into it. And it's just part of my day. You know, that's interesting. I I spend a lot of time thinking about the, like the current state that we all live in. And I think we live in this age of like instant gratification. And I'm going to click on something and it's going to happen immediately. Right. For me, one struggle I hit a lot of times is I thrive off of that instant gratification. So when something takes more time than giving it to me instantly, Mm -hmm. sometimes I, to your point earlier, feel like I can't do it. It's Mm -hmm. not going to Mm -hmm. happen. That doubt that like self-talk starts to become very negative, which can impede 
designing and establishing sound habits. You're so right. And like you said, it, it impedes our motivation towards even doing that, right? So it's one thing for us to have the intention to say, hey, I'm going to form this really healthy habit for ourselves. But if you're not getting those immediate like dopamine hits, basically, right? Right. They're not like it's, it becomes 10 times harder to like want to follow through on that action. And sustain it. And sustain it, right? Yes. You need to persevere to sustain and, and form that habit. But there are benefits to forming these habits. And I think we yeah. have to remind ourselves of that, especially in those moments. So Lauren, what are some of the benefits? Yeah. So a really great book, we'll link it in the show notes. It's by Tony Bennis. It's called Habit Stacking, 107 Successful Habits. And there it's a short, quick, easy read with very targeted action mm-hmm. actions that you can take to help Love build it. habits. But um, Tony Bennis outlined the scientific benefit and correlation between self-discipline and overall life satisfaction. So what we're saying there is if you're if you have strong self-discipline, your overall satisfaction for life is correlated to that, can be correlated to that. And so some of those benefits that came out of that research are the following, include the following. One, your priorities are in place. So it gives you focus. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> Number two, you're in the driver's seat of your life. And if you are anything like me... Having control helps me thrive, that predictability. <laughs> and Amratha's laughing because I'm working on releasing control of some things Same right though. now. Same. But um, you're in the driver's seat of your life. So mm-hmm. that's definitely a benefit. Another one is the time and effort saving. So working smarter, not harder. And that increases your time management skills, which is chronically something that educators face. Another one is lower guilt levels. And I think on an interpersonal level and being introspective, guilt is something that maybe we all experience but don't necessarily talk about a lot, but it can have grave benefits. Um, Just ask Brene Brown. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But lowering those guilt levels with intentionality through habits um, are helpful. Another one is better relationships. Another one is your decisions are well thought out. So you're leaving room for, you're leaving less room for rash or impulsive decisions, which can ultimately um, potentially be ineffective for you. Um, And as decision makers, educators make the most decisions. There was some like outrageous statistic about the number of decisions educators make and how educators often can feel decision fatigue, that it's a real thing. So like by the time you get home and your spouse asks you, what do you want for dinner? And you literally say like, I don't know and I don't care. It's because you have exhausted all of your capacity to make decisions or you don't want to engage in it. So if you can use habits to help um, make sure your decisions are well thought out, that that can play into um, increasing your overall well-being and life satisfaction. Another one is better physical and mental health. Another one, less stress, tension, and anxiety. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and the last one that he really punches is increasing positivity. And as you know, we've talked about before, I believe we're like, in, we are innately negative. Our brains We stick, have a negativity bias. Yes. yes. It sticks like Velcro to negativity and positivity slides off like Teflon. So um, we stick to negativity far more often than positivity. So anything we can do to increase positivity positivity is uh, such a benefit. So now that you know why we should or the benefits of increasing your habits, how do we develop these habits, Namratha? Yeah, that's a good question, right? I think we've established a lot of, of just really 
the context of habits, but really they also need to think back to what's happening in our brains as this happens. So the science behind habit forming is essentially tied back to something that we call neuroplasticity, which if you guys remember, this is something we've talked about before on this podcast. And it's essentially our brain's ability to adapt and just form new neural connections, new pathways over our lifetime, which we all have the capacity for. It just takes a little bit of effort and intention and time. And consistency because... consistency. I gotta say it, Namratha. I have to say it. (laughs) Neurons that fire together. Wired together. So the more often we increase those neural pathways, the stronger they become. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. that's when you start to see the habits form. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And within neuroplasticity, there's also a subcategory of this that researchers call self-directed neuroplasticity. Tell me more. I'm intrigued. Tell me this sounds sort of familiar to you, Lauren, as I explain this. Self-directed neuroplasticity is essentially when it's not just our brain adapting and developing these neuropathways because it has to, but it's because you want it to. Mm. So what's happening is essentially us saying that, hey, I'm intentionally rewiring my brain to create these healthy, sustaining habits. Now, what does that make you think of maybe when you hear that? Like reminding myself to release control of things sometimes <laughs> to a point where it starts to become automatic. Yeah, absolutely. And I think around the time that we're recording this, we're coming out of New Year's resolutions. Yes. We're about a month in. And so I know it's around that time of the year where it's already easy to let those habits dip down. Mm-hmm. But it really is about keeping that sus- like sustainable intention, I guess, all the way through the year as you're trying to form these habits. Um, but that's essentially all near, you know, goal setting is that's all new year's resolutions really is centered around right but have you set yourself up to be successful or have you just said i want to tackle this goal (laughs) right exactly so um when we talk about establishing that intention that's key to building those habits what is you know what's the intention behind it and then additionally i'm going to punch again you have to understand and realize it takes time and i think we have to develop a little bit of patience with ourselves Yes, absolutely. So um, we cannot have a podcast on habits without talking about arguably like the best book about habits. It's called (laughs) Atomic Habits. You've probably heard of it. You probably can picture the book cover in your head. It's on like every to read book list. (laughs) Um, But James Clear, the author. He's a prominent behavioral psychologist, and he developed um, talked about developing habits that stick require this four-step process. So before we engage in the four steps, though, I did want to punch another tip from um, the other book we're using, um, The 107 Habits, um, that identifying things that are roadblocks to your success and identifying what you wish to eliminate and what you wish to incorporate in your life will give you a stage to start this four-step process. So you can go ahead and you can make a list of things you want to eliminate or things you want to incorporate and then go through this four-step process that James Clear outlines in his book, Atomic Habits. So step one, cues. Cues that are based on time, location, an emotional state, an event, or people themselves can trigger a habit if we learn to associate and practice said habit with this cue. So in a weird way, this reminds me of kind of like classical 
classic conditioning, right? Yep, like exactly, exactly when that. <laughs> one habit I have that's terrible is as soon as I hear my alarm go off, I automatically, almost subconsciously, <laughs> hit the volume button once to snooze my alarm. But it's like I do that. It's it's automated at this automated. point. Automated. You're so at right. At this point, mm-hmm. it's automated. Um other other people might say as soon as the clock hits 6:30 p.m. I'm going to go ahead and take my dog out for a walk. Right. There may be some other uh, predictable items kind of like what Namratha mentioned earlier. You for me, I don't know about you, but anytime I leave the house, the last thing I do is I brush my teeth. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. always going to happen. So the cue is like, I'm getting ready to leave, brush my teeth, grab my keys, I'm out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, the second step in this process is once the cue is used to trigger the habit, if it is a habit, then a craving kicks in. So this is where we desire for a particular outcome. Mm-hmm. The third thing, <clears throat> the third step is our response. So this is the action or the thought that we take. This is the definable habit itself. Mm-hmm. And the fourth thing and final thing is the reward. This is that feeling of satisfaction you get from practicing your habit. The observable results you see from doing it over a period of time. Um, so coffee. <laughs> For me, coffee, I used to have... Um, an automatic coffee grinding machine. So I programmed it to go off at the same time as my alarm. Actually, I programmed it to go off shortly after my alarm because I knew I would hit snooze. But <laughs> and uh, I would start hearing the grinding of the coffee and I would know, okay, like it's time to get up and get moving. Um, that That's when that craving kicks in. Like, okay, I'm up, I'm moving and now I want my coffee. Mm-hmm. So then I'm going to get out of bed, go to the kitchen, grab my coffee. And that's my reward word is my coffee and now I'm on to start the rest of my day and it's it truly was the very predictable habit Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and I think that's a great um I think procedural way of like really being able to break down the steps right of of forming a habit uh Claire he also gives us I mean a few different ways of really thinking about this um and one of the ways that I really appreciate is uh it's a bit of a simpler method but it's when we're attempting to develop new habits, right? We can just do so by habit stacking, mm-hmm. right? And so this, this is, is what, my favorite, this, by the way. This has been like <laughs> so effective for me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's research has shown it's very effective for people who are neurodivergent. It's very helpful to habit stack. Yeah, and I think, and the, and we will talk about the the what's happening in the brain in just a second, right? That ties us into that. But it really habit stacking is when we are just pairing that existing habit that we already have with the new one that we are trying to form, right? So he gives us this formula to help us do this. And he says, okay, your formula is literally going to be saying, hey, after or before, insert current habit here, right? I'm going to, and then you insert your new habit. So let me give you an example of this, right? If my goal is to say, hey, I want to be, I want to practice more mindfulness. I want to be more peaceful as a person. I have coffee every day, right? So I can tell myself, hey, after I pour my cup of coffee each morning, I'm going to meditate for one minute, right? Yes. And that is already built into my routine. And it does, it's like one little additional step that's not requiring me to meditate for an entire hour in a day. It's going to be like so hard to build on if I haven't done it already. But by breaking it down and making it something that's already attached to a simple act of pouring coffee, 
it's so much easier for me to just integrate within to my within my daily routine. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great example. Yeah. And I'll give you another one. I mean, also it's like, let's say if I'm trying to practice greater concentration, right? And I struggle with this myself. And so, um, you know, I can say, hey, you know, before I'm starting a task, I'm going to clear my, and I'm saying like, let's say I'm starting a task on my laptop. I'm going to clear my browser of all the extra tabs I have on there that do not relate to this task. Because I have this problem for sure, where if I see an extra browser, I'm going to go click on it. And then I'm going to be reminded of the other tasks that I have still to do. And then I'm going to hop from that and I'm going to hop to the next task. And I have not even finished my first task that I intended to do. So, but that's like a small thing that I can say to myself and I can practice to set myself up for success. Right? Right. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, and just to go back to your point also, Lauren, the reason habit stacking works is because when we're attaching that new habit to an existing one, we are building off the neural network that has already been established in our brains, right? Over the course of however many years we've already done that. Um, and so your new habit is just a tiny new addition to something that has already been proven to work because it has. Um, so this is something that's been really helpful. And I think if you're maybe as unsure about doing like the full process of start, start small, start with habit stacking. And I think that would go also a very long way. I agree. I totally agree. Another example that hits home loudly for me, um, is, uh, when you stack it to something that's guaranteed to happen, such as Namratha mentioned with her coffee. But another example is every time I leave for work in the morning, I know I'm going to leave for work, something that's guaranteed to happen. I have developed a habit to check to see if the trash needs to be taken out Mm, because that's a task that I hate doing. It's a task I avoid doing. It's Mm -hmm. a task that is just like so unpleasant, but I've removed those unpleasant feelings with it by just making a habit like, okay, I'm walking out the garage door. I'm passing the garbage can. Can I take trash with me? Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of bundling and packaging, if you will, Mm -hmm. and those already established neural pathways. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, Another technique that you may have heard of, it's very common. It's um, called the Pomodoro technique, which is great for time management. It was first developed by Francesco, and I'm going to try my best to say this correctly, Chirillo. C-I-R-I-L-L-O in the 80s. But this is a technique that requires to use the use of a timer. That's actually the Pomodoro Pomodoro is tomato. So if you picture it uh, like a classic kitchen timer, that's Mm -hmm. where the name was derived from. Because there was a kitchen timer with the tomato, the kind that you manually kind of crank um, to set a time. But Anyways, this is a technique where you use a timer for pre to do a predetermined task for 25 consecutive minutes. And you build in rewards by giving yourself a five-minute break between these 25-minute task completion sessions. And then to take it a step further, when you've successfully completed four of those 25-minute cycles, you can reward yourself with an even longer break. So this helps invest your energy into one task at a time, fostering more success in task completion and better time management skills. Um, A great example would be Saturday mornings, it's time to clean. I have these four tasks. I need to do laundry. I need to do the dishes. I need to pull weeds from the front yard. And I need to um, change the bed sheets, right? So there's four identified tasks where my brain would take me down a loophole of 
75 unrelated tasks that I would find myself needing to do in that moment if I don't set a timer. So I could say nine o'clock from nine to nine twenty-five, I'm doing just laundry. Mm-hmm. Once that timer is up, I'm gonna take a five-minute break before I transition to the next task, which is doing the dishes for 25 consecutive minutes. Once that's up, five-minute break before I transition to um, changing the bed linens. Once that's up, five-minute break to go pull weeds for 25 minutes. And now I've completed four of those. So now I'm gonna take about a 30-minute rest. Nice. Nice. That's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's great. You know, and I think it uh, to add on to that, right, we can also set aside those specific timeframes within our work days to be able to send and reply to our emails, right? Um, instead of just being able to like receive those notifications all day long and then being distracted almost the entire time, right? Like being, di- uh, our, having our attention being diverted the entire time from whatever we're actually doing. So being able to attack that maybe just from the beginning of your day right. and just say, I'm going to address all of these emails. I'm going to just address these notifications from the beginning. And then that way I have less that's on my mind in the back of the day, um, but by the end of the day. Right. But cutting it off. There's so yeah. much research around. And I know um, principals, I know you get a whole ton of emails. But if you set aside very specific time periods and you address emails during those times, um, you'll find yourself more productive and, and you'll establish that strong boundary for yourself and that habit so that anytime a notification goes off 24-7, it's diverting your attention away from what you're actually trying to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um that's great. And then also one other tip, and I kind of really love this one as well, because um, it also goes back to our very first thought about um, setting up those cues for ourselves, right? right? And this is an auditory cue that we can set up for ourselves. We can just select our own like procrastination song. Yes. So what that means is just picking a song. Um, it could be maybe something that you're waking up to or something that you're listening to before you're sitting down in front of your computer or whatever the action or task is, but it's something that helps energizing you, right? It's helping you to sort of get into the right mind so that you need to be before you're tackling that one task that you know you've been procrastinating yes. on. So something yeah. that jazzes you up. Educators, yeah. we talk a lot about like your walk-up song. What would be your walk-up song? You know, batters in baseball have a song they pick <laughs> before they go up to the plate to do the thing, right? And so some of us, uh, like if you're asked, what's your walk-up song? What's that song that's going to just juice you up inside and energize you and start to elicit like positive energy getting ready to tackle something and release those nearest transmitters yes. release the dopamine release the serotonin yes. that you need yeah that's you can use that mm-hmm. for your procrastination song and that. you flip it and, and turn it into something positive amazing all right. So I think we've talked a lot about how we can build up these habits. And I think these are hopefully these tips are something that we can all pull away from uh, and we can use. But I have a quick question. Does building a new habit mean that I'm just automatically over the old one? Mm, so does it just replace it? Yeah. Unfortunately, no. Okay. In oh, fact, no. you won't be successful in pursuing a new healthy habit unless you recognize the cure or the trigger that caused the old one. So think about people who are, people might use, like, I'm trying to break this bad habit of blank. So we're recognizing a habit we want to stop. So then you need to push yourself to analyze, like, what is, what 
is the trigger? What is the cue that makes you want to partake in that bad habit or unhealthy habit you're trying to ditch? Um, And it also ties to your stress cycle. So if you think about um, season one, episode six, we talked about stress in the stress cycle. And our stress cycle can never truly be over if we don't identify and manage the stressors that are causing that stress in the first place. The same concept can be applied to overcoming bad habits. Mm-hmm. If I can just give a really quick example to this, um, something that I'm thinking of when I'm hearing this is uh, a bad habit that I sort of I've I've been trying to overcome is getting too distracted sometimes when I'm trying to work on a task in the workplace. We have a very open, collaborative type of office space, so it's very easy to get distracted with a bunch of conversations happening around us all. So there are days where if I know. I need to really double down and focus. I pull out these heavy set headphones that I have and I like immediately pop this on to just tell myself and have my brain get ready to say like, okay, we're going to focus on the task at hand. And it also helps because my team knows that as soon as I put those headphones on. (laughs) Namrata is closed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we covered a lot today, but in summary, I just want to punch a few of the things. James Clear, author of Atomic Habits, says it really well in one small sentence. You get what you repeat. You get what you repeat. So identify your cues, triggers, the responses that you want to take place and the rewards you're going to build in. Start small. Use a system that works for you, such as the Pomodoro method or your procrastination song. Mm -hmm. Can I add one other quote that that made me think of? Um, I believe Aristotle also said something very similar along those lines where he said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, therefore, is not an act, but a habit. Mm, I love that. I love that. Yeah. So um, before we close out, what are our commitments for the week? Um, Real quick, mine, I know you all know that I was working on a bedtime. So I think I've gotten that down, but now I'm working on an earlier rise time. So a solid, good, um, easeful wake up. What about you, Namratha? I love that. I think my uh, my morning routine is also something I'm trying to be a a little bit better at. And so I am committing for myself to just lay out my clothes before I go to bed. That's a good one. So I don't spend 15 extra minutes. What are you habit stacking that with? I'm going to habit stack that with um, probably just the routine I have in terms of like plugging my phone in, making sure my bed's made before the end of the day. I think I'm going to attach it somewhere in between that whole process. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Mm Um, And then, of course, we have to do our mindful moment from our book, A Year of Mindfulness for Beginners um, by Lee Papa. It's a short but sweet one. It is, as you go about your day, repeat this affirmation silently. I navigate my daily experience with grace. So as you go build your habits and you navigate your daily experiences, give yourself some grace, do it with grace. And uh, let us know. Let us know what your habits, what habit you're trying to accomplish and what habit you may want to ditch. Send us a message on social media. Email us at sel at unitedtolearn.org. Leave us a review. Let us know what are what, what's going on in your habit world, if you will. Okay. But of course, we cannot sign off without saying, educators, we love you. We see you. We know that you're in it right now. You're um, <clears throat> hitting a long stretch of pre-spring Uh, school. So um, please know that you're seen. We love you. We see you. We care about you. We appreciate you. And you are so very much needed in every role that you serve in. So thank you. But until next time, we'll see you later. See you.
see you later. Bye, Bye, Bye see you guys.